0: Hi there, I'm Father Patrick Wainwright. I wanted to share a simple anecdote that happened to me today. Um, I'm recording this at the beginning of September, and it's uh, here in Michigan, really hot. It was in the 90s and really humid I don't know, like 85, 90% humidity. And uh, I had to be hearing confessions in an outdoor event. So I was outside with my cassock and, uh, you know, hearing confessions from 1 to 3 p.m., so it was really uh, difficult, and I was sweating a lot, and I was thinking at the same time, well, that Jesus Christ, our Lord, also suffered many times the same things. He suffered the heat, he suffered the cold, he suffered physically, he had headaches, and uh, he also enjoyed many things, of course, uh, of life, but uh, he suffered all those things for you and for me. And uh, in the same way, whenever we have to suffer, we have to. it's good to remember, our Lord also suffered for me. So in the previous episode, episode 24, we spoke about the human and the divine natures of, Ige- of our Lord Jesus Christ. However, this brings with it many uh, follow-up questions. Like, for example, how did, did the Lord Jesus Christ know me and you personally by name? And what sort of love did Jesus have for you? Was it a personal love? And how personal was that love? How is it possible that he would love you and everyone else with a personal love? So today we will consider some characteristics of the human nature of Jesus Christ and some of its consequences, like the fact that Jesus had emotions, human emotions, that we can speak with him like a friend speaks to another friend. And the fact that it's okay, morally allowed, we could say, to have images and representations of Jesus Christ and also of the saints. So there are certain expressions in the Gospels that might create some confusion about the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ. For example, we read in Luke chapter 2 verse 52 that Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and favor before God and before man. And we read in John chapter 11, verse 35, that after Lazarus died, seeing that Mary was weeping, and also the other Jews were weeping, Jesus was deeply moved and troubled. And we specifically specifically read that Jesus wept. He also weeps over Jerusalem when he's walking down the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, and he sees the city. And he weeps over Jerusalem because he he sees the hardness of its heart in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. We also read in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, that he prayed to God in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, right? His agony in the garden. He, He prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. Still, not my will, but yours be done. And finally, one of the tougher texts, I think, to explain and understand is the one we read when Christ was hanging on the cross. He cried out one of the last words of our Lord. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Mark chapter 15, verse 34. So, of course, I do not uh, plan to explain each and every one of these texts, but I hope to give you and share some uh, important principles. Uh, regarding the human and divine realities of Jesus Christ. First of all, I shared in the last episode that Jesus had a perfect and complete divine nature and also a perfect and complete human nature. Both natures are united in the one person of the Son, that is, the second person of the Holy Trinity. So because he is one of the Holy Trinity, the Son, he is the one who truly reveals God to us and nobody else than Jesus Christ. He is God. He is the only channel of revelation. He lives constantly in the bosom of the Father and he's united with the Father. He is the truth and in him there is no error. Furthermore, he knows all things past, present, and future. And what we see also in the Gospels is that he can read the inmost feelings of every man. And he also knows my interior thoughts and feelings and your interior thoughts and feelings. So that's because he's God. And he's also all-powerful and he has complete dominion over all creation, creation and over all overall, our human history. And this is why we call him the Lord of all history, the Lord of all, of all, the Lord of the universe. And finally, and most importantly, he is the one who has the power to redeem all humanity from our sins. This is why we are actually redeemed by the cross of Christ, because he is God. Now, on the other hand, we also said that he's truly human. He's one of us, part of our human race. Actually, the most perfect, the epitome of the human race, right? The, The perfect example of a human being. But because he is a human being, he can offer the sacrifice of the of the cross to God the Father on our behalf. And we can see him. We can learn from him, even as the uh, gospels, the the writers of the evangelists wrote, especially Saint John. We can we could touch him. He says we heard him, we saw him, and we can also Im- imitate him and love him personally as a as a friend, as God and man. Then Jesus has two natures, and which is important to know, although it, although it may seem a little odd to say and sometimes to hear it for the first time, he has two intellectual faculties or two intelligences we could say. The intelligence of God and the intelligence of man. And he also has two wills. The will of God, a divine will, and a human will. Now again, that may sound a little strange, but it makes sense if you accept that he has two natures. right? So if he is God and man, as God, he has all the qualities of God, his intellect and his will, and as a man, he has all the qualities of man, body and soul, and in the soul, he has an intellect and a will. And therefore, also, as far as the knowledge or science of Jesus, what he knew and understood, we say that he has a divine knowledge because he is God. So in that sense, he knew absolutely everything, in the past and the future, all history and all, I mean, all eternity. But on the other hand, as a man, he was united to the divine nature. He was constantly in the presence of God. So as a human science or human knowledge, he possessed the beatific vision, just like the saints in heaven. They are seeing God and they have all the knowledge that comes from God, like infused from God, right? In that sense, he knew all things because the divinity transmitted to his human intelligence everything he could possibly know as a man. And in this sense, he knew the future and also the secret thoughts and feelings of every man. And he knew those things as a human being by the knowledge infused by God. But also he had another kind of human knowledge, and that is an acquired knowledge. That is the the knowledge or science that comes from our external perceptions, from our uh, sight, from our uh, hearing, from our touch, from our taste. These perceptions existed in Jesus Christ and they also formed a certain acquired knowledge. And in the sense, it is that the gospel says that he could gradually acquire information, grow in knowledge and wisdom because he acquired that information from the physical world. And he, for example, he learned, he was able to learn from the Virgin Mary and learn from St. Joseph we say, but didn't he know everything? Yes, he knew everything with a divine knowledge and with that beatific vision or infused knowledge, but he also had acquired knowledge. So he learned from St. Joseph. St. Joseph taught certain things to Jesus Christ. So all this divine nature and human nature of Jesus Christ united in the person of the world, the uh, the person of the word, is something truly amazing. Something that is an incredible mystery, difficult, completely difficult for us to understand, but we should never, uh, let's say, tire of contemplating with awe and considering and meditating and realizing that we have a great treasure as Catholics, as believers, that we know that Jesus Christ is true God and true man, and that we know all these things about our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it may seem or sound a little bit Complicated, and I'm sure it does. But at the same time, it is important to know that this is the foundation to understand many of the different expressions that we read earlier from the gospel, right? That would otherwise make no sense. How does, how does it mean? How, what does it mean that Jesus learned, but at the same time, he was God and knew all things, right? So sometimes Jesus is speaking as God. For example, when he says in John, Chapter 8, verse 58. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Or in John 10, verse 30, the Father and I are one. While other times, Jesus is speaking and acting as a man. When we read, for example, in John 11, verse 35, that Jesus was troubled. Or Matthew 26, verse 38, that, Jesus says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. So, God truly took up a human nature and became one like us in everything except for sin, as we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. In him, in Jesus, we can see God made visible, if you want. We see the mercy of God made visible to us. We see the goodness of God, who, the goodness of God, who, as St. Paul says to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, he he writes, who, though he was in the form of God, Jesus was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and, Found in human in appearance, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Or as the, uh, se- the Second Vatican Council also says, something, uh, an expression that is good, it's nice to um, meditate on. It's from Gaudium et Spes, uh, chapter 22. Uh, the, ca- the Council says, The Son of God worked with human hands, He taught with a human mind. He acted with a human will. And with a human heart, he loved. Born of the Virgin, he has truly been made one of us, like to us in all things, except sin. So that's again from Gaudium et Spes, chapter 22, number 2. So this is why, again, Jesus truly learned from St. Joseph. Jesus truly experienced the things we experience, that we experience in our daily life. He had sufferings. He had emotions. He was troubled. He was afraid. You know, uh, he had sadness and so forth. So here are some most important uh, consequences that we could uh, take from these uh, principles. First of all, Jesus truly had human emotions. He had sufferings. Truly, He he suffered truly. He had concerns just as we do. God in Christ, right? God in Christ experienced our human reality in all its aspects. Even temptations, except for sin. So we cannot say or think, God does not understand me. God did not suffer like I do. God didn't Have to study like I do, didn't have to learn like I do. He didn't uh, endure sadness or being left alone. No, he did. God in Jesus Christ suffered all those things and he understands exactly what we go through, what you go through when you're alone or suffering or have some type of difficulty. So, a second consequence is that because he had a truly physical body and finite body, it is licit. Or, if you want, it is okay to make physical representations of Christ, like images and paintings and statues. This was de- determined or declared, let's say, confirmed by the Second Council of Nicaea, that it is legitimate to make representations of the human face of Jesus, and for the same reason, the human being of Jesus and of the saints. In the body of Jesus, we have a visible image of Christ. The human characteristics, Of Christ Jesus express the divine person of God's Son. And therefore, the believer, we, you and me, who venerates the icon or the image, is venerating it in the person of the one depicted by it. So, the one, the believer, who venerates the icon or the image or the statue, is venerating in that statue, in that image, in that crucifix, the person depicted by that statue so if i'm venerating a cross with the body of jesus i am in that image venerating jesus christ by it's because it's re, it's representation so finally because jesus has true human knowledge and true human love because he has real human emotions we can have the certainty that he loves each and every one of us with a true Real human emotional, if you want, passionate love, and we can love him in return, knowing that he will appreciate that friendship, that he will appreciate our fidelity, our sacrifices for him, our love, our emotions for him, that he is truly our friend. So, we can also visit him in the Blessed Sacrament, in the Eucharist, in the tabernacle, and know that in that tabernacle, we have Jesus Himself like a true and loving friend who knows us personally and who is there waiting for us to speak to him or as st paul wrote to the galatians we can have the assurance that jesus the son of god loved me and gave himself up for me so that's from galatians chapter 2 verse 20 so the son of god loved you and gave himself up for you personally so all these concepts are really helpful to understand, you know, the value and the authenticity of uh, many apparitions of Jesus Christ, in particular the apparitions of the sacred heart of Jesus. Because in that heart, in those apparitions, Jesus expressed very, his love in a very human way, in a, almost a, yeah, a, a vulnerable way, a passionate way. Our Lord appeared to St. Margaret Mary a Lecoq in paris le Monial in France from more or less the year 1673 to 1675. She was a sister, and she was usually uh, in adoration when these, uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, right, when these apparitions happened. Uh, he would appear like walking forward from the monstrance where the Eucharist was. Our Lord would appear to her showing his human heart, which is an image of his divine love. And human love. And that heart was surrounded by a furnace of fire, crowned with thorns, with a wound on the side, and surmounted by a cross. Our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who appeared in that way, uh, several times, he, he, he had very many apparitions. He said many things, but I'm going to go into, gonna try to summarize everything, saying that he uh, asked St. Margaret Mary and through her to each one of us to accompany him, especially in his hours of greatest sorrow, hours of loneliness and pain during his agony in the Garden of Olives. He also asked her and each one of us to love him in return, stating that he would bless whoever showed even a small amount of kindness and love to him. So, in the uh, full text, our Lord asks to have a feast established. I'm going to read a little bit from from the apparitions, but... uh, I'm summarizing. Okay, so in the full text, Jesus asked about having a, a feast established, which today is the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, typically celebrated in June, and he also makes uh, twelve promises to those who love him and do reparation to his heart. So, however, to make it uh, simpler, I'm going to summarize uh, what I would think are the most important words of uh, of the Sacred Heart of Jesus to St. Margaret Mary. He said, "Behold." the heart so he was showing his heart to her right and he said behold the heart which has so loved men that it has spared nothing even to exhausting and consuming itself in order to testify its love and in return i receive from the greater part of from the greater part of men only ingratitude by their irreverence and sacrilege and by the coldness and contempt they have for me in this sacrament of love, the Blessed Sacrament. Therefore I ask you to make amends for the indignities which it has received during the time it has been exposed on the altar. I promise you that my heart shall expand itself to shed in abundance the effects of its divine love upon those who shall thus honor it and cause it to be honored. And to there, the quote of the Sacred Heart. So I encourage you not only to have a devotion to the Sacred Heart, but also to try to see in that image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which is will be also um, in the show notes. I'll put a link to download that image. Um, I encourage you to see uh, in Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament a real visible manifestation of God's infinite and human love, infinite divine and human love for you. So if you know all this and believe it, you shall be, you shall be certain from now on that you will never be alone in this world because our Lord Jesus Christ is always with you and he is near you. Sometimes we feel alone. We think, oh, God has abandoned me. And it feels that way, just as Jesus suffered that in the cross. But we should always know that God never abandons us, that he loves us with a human, of course, divine, but also human love. And he's actually waiting for us to visit him in the Blessed Sacrament. And there in the tabernacle, we can speak to him and he can speak to us as a friend speaks to a friend. So, in the show notes, I will put more sections of the words of the Sacred Heart to St. Margaret Mary. And I I will also uh, provide a link to an article speaking about the Sacred Heart a bit more. I will also write the numbers of the Catechism of the Catholic Church that talk about everything that I spoke about today. And a link, again, as I said before, to some desktop wallpapers that you can download in our Midas Christi website. One of them has the image of the Sacred Heart similar, like it's a painting but similar to the one that appeared to St. Margaret Mary So thank you very much for joining me today Remember to share this episode with your friends to help more college students to get to know and love Jesus Christ in a human and personal way If you would like to support this podcast please do leave a review in Apple Podcasts so that others may be encouraged to listen as well We will see you in our next episode and may God bless your day.